Hello and welcome to Nerd vs. World, episode 60, Nerd in 60 Seconds. I'm Brendan. <laughs> I'm Splindles. Uh, and on today's show, we will have uh, some film reviews from Creed, uh, The Big Short, and Spotlight. Reaction to, Peter, uh, to not Peter Capaldi, uh, Stephen Moffat <laughs> leaving Doctor Who, although Peter Capaldi is meant to be going as well. Uh, and initial reactions to... The new series of the X Files and new Lucifer. Of the X-Files. Yeah, yeah, Lucifer and and Agent uh, Carter. Agent Carter as well. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Where do you want to begin then, sir? Should we start with the films again? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Happy with that. Okay. I've been watching a lot of films recently. Um, last year, I made a list of everything that I saw, and I was going to send it to people, but like it was just really short. I was disappointed with the number of films <laughs> I'd watched, so I'm making a concerted effort to watch more films this year. Um, and part of that's been obviously the the Oscar watch. Um, so I went to see Creed, The Big Short, and Spotlight. All of which are best picture nominees, aren't they? I think it's Creed. I don't think, I don't think I don't, Creed is, is it? I don't think Creed is. I think I got missed out. Spotlight is, I think, and I think um, The Big Short yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, I think both of them are. Um, <clears throat> cool. So let's start with my favourite of the three, which was Creed. Um, I loved the Rocky films. I thought the Rocky films were great, and I know you couldn't bl- quite believe my status after it, but Sylvester Stallone is well worth the nomination. Okay, well, I'd, yeah, I'd, uh, to, to be fair, I'll have to take your opinion on it, because I doubt I'm ever going to watch it. <laughs> I've okay, never so, seen any of the original Rocky films, I don't intend to start now. It is a fantastic trip down uh, nostalgia lane for, for Rocky fans, and in much the same way that having Harrison Ford come back as Han Solo... 30 years after he was last in the role mm. um, so it made sense to have Stallone reprise his role in Creed and it's like when he's talking to uh, Michael B. Jordan about the things his character is going to have to go through in the boxing world it's like Sylvester Stallone is talking to the, the actor not the character right. about what he's going to go through in, in life the as film. an actor yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. and the filming of these sorts of movies okay uh, and there is real, there's real emotion there. He doesn't slur his words quite as much as he's been sort of pastiched for in the past, I guess. You just like assume it as Sylvester Stallone, he'll just mumble his way through it. He's not. He's clear and he is engaging. And he just brings this like wonderful soul to this movie. It was, I was amazed, frankly, at how much his performance affected me. Okay. Like, I mean, obviously, we know I'm quite an emotional person. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, there was one scene in particular um, when, like, he's been diagnosed with, uh, with cancer the same cancer that took his wife. And he's just like, yeah, no. Don't worry, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this. I don't need treatment. I've made my peace. Uh, and then when Creed finds out about it and they fight about it, it's a really moving scene. Okay. Um, and I was surprised and impressed. And I don't think it's an Oscar-winning film, but I, I thought it was a a better story than a lot of films that I've seen recently. Okay. Um, and, of course, they've got, like, great fight choreography. Um, the story is pretty straightforward. It's just um, Michael B. Jordan as Creed fighting underground fights that makes the step up to the big time. Um, it's nice to see Goodison Park get mentioned. And I'm watching the film... Remembering the match of the day in the football focus episodes when they said that Stallone was at Everton. Um it's and it's just like his his rite of passage, him finding out who he is <clears throat> and dealing with the stuff like, you know, dealing with his father being well, dead mm-hmm. and never really being there for him, dealing with that sort of issue, the anger stuff. Um 
Yeah, and it's just all wrapped up nicely. Okay. Worth a watch, just for the nods and the references to Rocky. Um, there's a few Easter eggs in there, which are really nice touches. And uh, yeah, you, you cheer. And it's, it's a feel-good one, yeah, is it? Yeah, it's, right. it's a feel-good <laughs> movie that will uh, target the memories and make you feel good. Cool, okay. Yeah. I'm still not going to watch it, though. Fair enough. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I'd, I would get it on DVD when it comes out. I think that's probably... Um, that's like a fairly good barometer of how much I like to film. Okay, yeah, if you actually if buy I it. If I go out and buy it on DVD, yeah. then yeah. Um, next, The Big Short. Mm-hmm. So The Big Short is the first of two films I saw based on actual events. And this is all about the, the housing crash 2008. Yep. So, you know, entertaining stuff. Rip-roaring plot lines. Straight off the bat, you know. Um, it's shot in quite an unusual way. One that I wasn't really expecting. But it breaks the fourth wall quite a lot. Ryan Gosling's character will on occasion just turn straight to the camera and talk directly to the audience, breaking that barrier. There are a number of cameos from people who are literally introduced. So it's like, and here's so-and-so to explain why subprime mortgages were shit. And it'll just cut to this person just like talking about subprime mortgages and why they were rubbish. Like, as a complete aside from the film. Okay. Uh, what is that like archive footage or is it people no no it's celebrities alright okay so the one example is Margot Robbie is in it oh right like, and here's Margot Robbie in a bathtub <laughs> and it just cuts to Margot Robbie in a bathtub explaining one particular element of the financial crisis of why everything fell down <laughs> okay um I'm not sure I'm not sure why Christian Bale's getting plaudits I think his performance was good but the best was Steve Carell mhm um, I think he's up for nomination, but I thought he was in for Best Supporting Actor, which makes no sense, because he pretty much carries the film. Um, and he was great. But it's a tricky subject to handle, and I was expecting it to be like Wolf of Wall Street, but without the charisma and the class and the spangle. It's an entirely different film. The trailers really haven't given very much of it away. Um but it covers, in a surprising amount of detail, exactly what happened with the financial markets and what went wrong. I'm very sure there's a bit of subjective bias in there as well. More than likely, because they've yeah. got a point to make after yeah, all. Yeah, 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 they are definitely trying to hammer it home. Um, but none of the characters are particularly likeable. They've all, they're all deeply flawed. Another one of those. Yeah. Less so than, like, Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight was, like, they were all complete pricks. Mm. But in this one, at least Steve Carell's character is fed up with the banking system and trying to trying to do the right thing. Um, but in the end, they are cashing in on a predicted crash, which means they are still cashing in on the poverty and ruin of everybody who was investing in these really bad mortgages. Right. Uh, and I think Carell makes the, he makes the point well towards the end of the movie. Um, it's funny when it needs to be. It's serious when it needs to be. Yeah. But overall, didn't really leave any lasting impression for me. It, it sounds very much like just typical Oscar fodder. Yeah. yeah. It's like a film that has been created to win Oscars. The whole true story element of it for sure mm. the thing that stuck with me if anything was the, the the breaking the fourth wall and the the fact that it's very aware of itself as a movie right it's aware of what it's trying to say and what it's trying to do um, but yeah maybe worth a watch if you if it's when it's piqued your interest but I'm not sure why it's in the running okay fair enough and then, on a lighter note... Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on a lighter note, Spotlight. Um, so you can tell it's Oscar season, because they're rolling out these sort of films. Now, I thought it was a good film. Okay. 
I think some of the exposition stuff is a little too blatant. For a drama, there wasn't really much drama to it. Everything was explained and just laid out very plainly. Um, they're clearly trying to strike a balance between being a film that's meant to engage and involve and also tackle the subject of um, cover-up of systemic child abuse by the Catholic Church in Boston. So, you know, not an easy balance to, to go with, and I think they go too far towards being reverential and respectful of the subject matter and not trying to milk it. Um, but it's a drama. There should be more drama to it. Uh, it was a little boring for some people. I mean, people I want to see it with. Um, I want to see it with a couple of friends, a group of friends. And uh, I've been told if I, if I use the quote, I have said that I was quoting somebody else. I'm not going to mention her name, but her quote was, it was a drama. There should be more dramatization to it. Fuck's sake, where were the guns and hookers? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, like, if you're coming away from a film about this sort of subject matter and you're and you're thinking that sort of thing, which I com- completely agree with. It's not really done enough. Mm. But then I think it's not meant to. And I think it's one of those films that will stick with you. But you'll just have to work out for yourself whether that's because you liked it or you got it or because you were just moved by the sub- the treatment of the subject matter. Right. Um in terms of it being up for an Oscar, I don't get it. Again, I'm not sure. There seems to be a lot of this in yeah. this year's Oscars. Well, it was last year as well. Last year I saw them all, and of the lot, I preferred Whiplash. Theory of Everything and The Imitation Game just felt like pandering, and Birdman um, just felt a little too obscure. This time out, I'm feeling like, yeah, again... It's pandering. Hmm. There weren't really that many breakout performances in this movie. Um, Mark Ruffalo gets one moment where he gets really angry and he starts getting passionate about something. He gets into it and you're thinking, yes, Mark, go for it. Fuck yes, lad. And But then the rest of it is just like so... So painfully slow. Right. And, and that's... That's it in a nutshell. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, mean, that's it. I think there is a lot of it. I finally got around to watching Mad Max. Oh, that's good. Um, it was interesting. I, I can't say I'm a massive fan of it. It's you know, a car chase, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. For <laughs> two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of car chase at the best of times. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was it was interesting enough. Um, I, I liked some of the performances in it. I thought Nicholas Holt was really good in it. Yeah. Yeah, he was getting a lot of praise after that role. Yeah, I thought he was really good. Um, but yeah, that, um, again, I don't see why it's included as a, a best picture, because it wasn't earth-shattering. <laughs> um, I got a message on Facebook uh, from someone listening to the podcast when we were talking about that last time, and they were like, it's because of that guitar. <laughs> well, yeah, th- th- that is pretty that awesome. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's, no, that's that was probably, it, it took me until about halfway through the film to actually click and go, the soundtrack's been played by the guy on the front of the theme. It's like, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I did like that. Having your own incidental music. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, there's going to be film music students out there just going nuts for the whole blended diegesis of it all. Yeah. So, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that's in the mix as well. But back to Spotlight. Um, if it's the sort of story that you want to see told, it's told very well mm-hmm. for what it is. Um, I think it suffers with pacing. And I wasn't overly... I didn't like the way they spoon-fed everything to me. Right. I watched it and I got to the end of it and I was just like, well, that was a, a good movie, but... Why did you tell me everything? Why was there no point in that film where I was like, oh, God, who's the douchebag? Mm. Who's covering something up? And then figure it out. It's just like, no, it was this person at this day. It's just like, oh, really? Okay. So not a lot of not a lot. work for your brain to be doing while you're watching it. 
Yeah, which I suppose is I suppose in a good way that's quite that's kind of good because it leaves you then to just quietly process the horrible, horrible subject matter. Mm. Um, I mean, that th- those elements are handled well and sympathetically, and um, th- there's just enough about it to make it harrowing without it being um, too in your face. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, uh, again, I might possibly watch The Big Short, but that's pretty much it, I think, out of those three. The Big Short has its moments of being hilariously funny, um, as it can be with, again, that subject matter. <laughs> you know, everybody losing their jobs and shit. Fair yeah. enough. Oscar bait. Cool. <laughs> Something more cheerful now, please. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, as we've both seen it then, uh, Edgy Carter. Oh, I'm so glad she's back. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, Yeah, Uh, so, that, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Do you think it's connected to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I think it is, yeah. I think those are more of the portal stones. Yeah, I think so. It makes sense that they're tying it together. Yeah. I'm loving that it's out in LA. I'm loving the whole film noir of it all. Um, I'm loving Jarvis and his fucking flamingo. <laughs> and Mrs. Jarvis. Yes, Mrs. Jarvis is pretty kick-ass. I do like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm loving uh, Jarvis doing the combat training. That's probably one of my favourite scenes in it so far. Oh, the judo throwing on the yeah. mat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I am loving that a lot. <laughs> He seems to have kind of grown into his character a bit this season. Absolutely, he's just really embraced that role. Sort of, it's almost slapstick. Yeah. But you do feel like push comes to shove, he could handle himself quite well. Yeah. And I like that Stark's being a bit more of the kind of mad scientisty this season, rather than just being a plot device. Yeah. And he's also been the playboy as well. Yes. So yeah, it's been kind of cool. I loved his car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, there was, there was the episode where they, they go into the, the gentleman's club and he takes them all in there. That was, yeah, that was a nice scene. But, yeah, so it looks like, uh, as we were talking about earlier, that uh, they're potentially crossing things over a bit with, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, uh, yeah, so the zero matter, which is, seems to be the, the thing behind most of what's going wrong in the first two episodes, mm. definitely seems to be linked somehow to the monolith yeah. from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um so, yeah, I'm hoping we kind of see more Hydra this time than we did last time, and more of them plotting about that planet. Yeah, now, I mean, one thing I was thinking, and this this was just something that struck me as I was watching it, is the parallels between the kind of, the the, the, the woman who got infected by the, the, the Dark Matter stuff, uh, thinking of the parallels between her, the Hellfire Club, and Emma Frost... It seems like a very, very close kind of retelling of that chunk of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, which would be treading dangerous territory for them, because they don't have the rights for that. But that's be- why they're, they're not quite... She doesn't turn into Diamond. She's got all the ice and stuff that she's doing. Uh, and she's part of this underground club that nobody mm. really talks about that, that isn't quite the Hellfire Club, but I can kind of see it might be. Unless this is... The Inhumans version of a Hellfire Club. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously Hellfire Club has been picked up by Fox for a TV series. Yep. So Marvel would be treading on very thin ice if they tried to use the properties they've already sold to Fox. But as we've seen already with them over the last couple of years, they have no qualms in retelling X-Files stories as Inhuman stories. Ah, that's a good spot. Yeah. I hadn't spotted that. Yeah, so... I was mulling that one over as I was watching the episode. I thought I'd see what your thoughts were on it. Yeah, could be interesting. It's something we'll keep an eye on because it's. I think the similarities were just a bit too striking for me to discount them. Yeah, it completely passed me by. I wasn't even considering that because of the whole licensing thing. Mm. But hmm, hmm. So it'd be interesting to see that if you do progress cool. with that. Um, 
But of course, that would mean then that we'd have Inhumans that predate the Inhumans we know about from season two, Agents of Shield. Yes. Uh, but technically, they, they, there are anyway because there's a community of them and they've been there a while. So. Yeah, it does, and that tie-in, the tie-in with the Zero Matter is nice. The Inhuman tie-in would be kind of cool too, if it starts bringing stuff out in the second half of season three that links more directly to Civil War. Because mm. we're still not entirely sure how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to cross over with this film. No. And, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how closely it is now, because the, the, the cinematic and the TV universes, much as they are existing in the same space, are not particularly having any kind of real crossovers. No. And I'm not sure there's any plans to do so. Uh, Infinity War. Is it really? Yeah, are, yeah. are they planning on bringing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff back in there? Yeah. Because, of course, there's the interesting thing to happen that we haven't seen yet, which is about the Avengers finding out that Coulson's still alive. Yeah. It's never been mentioned. And whether it's something they're going to directly address or just something they're going to sweep under the carpet, I don't know. I would imagine sweep under the carpet. Or, if they address it, they'll address it quite glibly. Mm. It'd be one of those sort of... Oh. I thought you were dead. Yeah. Snake Plissken type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So, yeah, I know we're only two episodes into it, but where do you see it going? Uh, well, I, I think it's it's going to start doing more with this this club. Cool. Cool. Okay, and uh, I guess I'll I'll quickly give my thoughts on the new X Files. I haven't got around to that yet, so yeah, please do. I haven't finished watching the first episode yet. I'm about ten minutes from the end of it, <laughs> but I'm really enjoying it. It 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 feels like you know like an old jacket that you haven't worn for ages that you put my kind of go yeah that's really nice uh there's it kind of starts out with a bit of a a montage and a a a talk over by Mulder, which kind of talks you through what's happened okay that's cool uh so kind of from his whole samantha got taken by aliens and this is what started him off and then he worked for the x-files then they brought scully in and all of that so it gives a nice potted history of it uh, along with some uh, like they're basically putting photos of stuff on a, on a pyre and burning them from the x-files so you get pictures of tombs and stuff like that so it's it's really nice uh and then there's uh, yeah obviously the conversation about the uh the potential that aliens are there and it's all been covered up stuff like that and then it kicks in with the classic Opening credits, and it's exactly the same. Awesome. They've, they've kept the opening credits perfectly from how it used to be. And it's still Mark Snow doing the, yep, the score. still Mark Snow doing the score. So it, it, it is just like, you know, it, it's a nice, fuzzy, warm feeling. Aww. <laughs> We're going to watch that later on. It's, it's nice. Um, it's introducing a bunch of new characters. Uh, it's kind of trying to spin a lot of stuff on its head uh, that we thought we knew at the end that when, when it finished. Right. Um, Where does it take the movies? Does it take the movies as canon? It's not. Well, it, it doesn't make reference to them, um, other than the where the characters are in the movies, because obviously you, you see slightly more of kind of Scully and, and Mulder's relationship years after uh, when you see the films, and it's a natural progression of how they were when we left them. Right. So yeah, um, but it's good. Uh, I have a couple of minor quibbles with it. That's, you know, that Skinner's still only an assistant director after all these years. <laughs> I'd like to think the poor guy would have got a promotion by now. Yeah, but he supported the X-Files, so he's probably been kept down for a reason. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, but it, it's good to have Skinner back. It, uh, everyone is back and looking good. So, yeah, very, very happy it's yeah. back. Wicked. Interested um, to see where it's going to go. I'll get on to that. I've finished, now that I've uh, got time, I've just finished watching the first two episodes of Lucifer on, on Amazon Prime. Oh, I so don't know whether I want to watch this or not. <laughs> um, from my experience of the new print of Lucifer comic, there doesn't seem to be very much in the way of relation to the TV show. Well, if if, if I if I understand it correctly, they've essentially just turned it into a procedural cop show. Yes, where that's Lucifer exact, is helping. That's exactly what they've done. 
which I, I don't know if I can bring myself to watch it. I wasn't sure either, and I watched the first episode, and then straight away watched the second episode. For all of its sins in terms of its treatment of the comic, it's horribly watchable. It's actually quite a watchable show. Um, okay. But the premise is exactly that. Lucifer has left hell because he was bored of being part of God's game. Um, bored of playing his role of being the person he punishes. Does it make reference to Sandman? No, not that I've, not reference that I've seen. Unless there's a coin, maybe the spinning coin is a Sandman reference. Um, not that I spotted. Okay, fair not enough. that I spotted. But I think if you'd be the person to spot yeah. those references if they were there. <laughs> yeah, I think um, so. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's basically left hell because he was bored of being part of God's plan. Didn't want to play his role of being Punisher. Um, and he is in his club, so he has he has Lux, and he is l- literally introducing himself as Lucifer Morningstar, and people think it's a stage name, it's a running joke about his mm-hmm. name. It's like, no, it's God given, you know. He's not hiding who he is at all. He's just quite, nobody believes yeah, him. Yeah, he's quite open about the devil, but just no one believes him. It's kind of like the the gross point blank effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <A> hitman. <laughs> And yeah, a, a, star, a person who he was fond of is murdered, and he takes it upon himself to get involved in the investigation so that he can punish the person uh, responsible, and it's all about that. Uh, and he's working with a cop who is, um, uh, she's now a detective, she was a former actress who did a nude scene in uh, a film called Hot Tub High School. In, in the film world and it's about her struggles to be taken seriously as as a woman in a man's world but also with this history of oh, okay yeah I think the reference the the, the references uh, to to Phoebe Cates in Fast Times at Ridgemont High right yeah, like, yeah. that she was the new version of Phoebe Cates um, and yeah just the obscure relationship and of course Lucifer can like get everyone's deepest darkest desires out of them mm-hmm. apart from her she is immune to his strangely immune yeah, strangely immune to his charms <laughs> she's a plot MacGuffin for I Lucifer smell a plot device yeah. <laughs> and it's basically that like it pushes the the edges a little bit uh, it's a little bit more risque than you'd expect Fox to go with at this point um I have my usual concerns that it's on Fox yeah, it's and on we'll Fox. get cancelled after it's, it's, half a season. It's, it's a genre show on Fox. It's got nine episodes left and it's done. Because um, <laughs> yeah, not even Amazon could have the power to save it from Fox. Well, they didn't, yeah. Indeed. didn't save Constantine. Uh, well, that wasn't that was the, Fox, but yeah. yeah. Um, Almost Human was their latest casualty. Yeah, but that was shit. Yeah. I mean, that was shit. <laughs> Almost Human was terrible. Um, the fact that they changed so drastically from the pilot episode to episode two. I think Minority Report's days are numbered already as well. That's, God, that's I, hate, I hate that as well. I don't think it's actually been cancelled yet, but I think it's only had a half-season order. Oh, man. Sci-fi, Good old Fox. <laughs> sci-fi and Fox just do not go together. <laughs> um, the thing with this, it, it, it's quite watchable for all of its... All of its proceduralness okay i mean does he have like powers other Um, than just being able to kind of tell people he's immortal which he tells people okay just like don't worry about me i'm immortal and he gets shot and just like how did you do that is is he invulnerable or immortal immortal right okay he gets shot and then like the cop is then like checking him secretly for bulletproof vests and stuff and he's like why are you messing? I've told you how I survived it. Everything about him is very straight up. Right. Okay. He's just like, yes, no, I'm immortal. No, I'm I'm the devil. Like when characters say, oh, you're the devil. Just yes, <laughs> I am. I mean, Tom, the the guy playing Lucifer is actually pretty charming. Um, he seems good for the role. Uh, English accent and all. Um, of course, Lucifer has to be English. Of course. Uh, you know. It's just American bias against the English. <laughs> but, yeah. I would wait to see your verdict on it. But okay. I quite enjoyed the first episodes. Alright, I'll, I'll I'll give it a try then. Yeah. 
I'll give it a try. Yeah. Cool. And I'll have my Sandman reference spotting hat on. Do it. I mean, they're probably quite blatant. Um, I wouldn't have thought they would be actually because I'm not. They wouldn't be able to get away with blatant references to Sandman. I mean, Lucifer's got Maze with him. Is she a reference to Sandman? No. Yeah. And he does this little trick. He has a spinning coin that has the pentagram on one side and goes on the other. That's constantly spinning. Mm. Yeah. Those are the only two things that struck me as being Easter egg worthy. Okay. I will check it out. Cool. And we will see. You can come back next week and just go like, God, you were so wrong. That's a shit show. <laughs> yeah. yeah you think I'd wait until the next show no. to tell you yeah, that yeah, if yeah. it was? Just post it on my wall. Just watch for Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so, brings us to the last thing. Yes, indeed. Which was, you know, it, it kind of oddly ties in with a... Uh, and the adjudication that we yeah. had sent in just before Christmas that we haven't had time to do yet, which is around Doctor Who. Yeah. So, uh, the no adjudication is a question we've had before, which we've answered before, um, about who we would like to see play the Doctor if Capaldi should leave the show. Yeah. Uh, we were saving the question up for some Doctor Who news, and then... <laughs> As luck would have it, <laughs> Stephen Moffat decides he's going to quit. Yep. So Stephen Moffat has stepped down as showrunner. There'll be no series of Doctor Who this year, which is Gutting. very, very sad news for me. It is for me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually gutted. Yeah, I'm so disappointed. So we have to wait till Christmas now for a Christmas episode, and then Moffat's last season will be in 2017. Um, the timing of the question is pertinent because... It looks like Capaldi might be rumoured to be leaving with Moffat. Yeah. Um, which would be a shame, because I think after a couple of seasons of not knowing quite how to write this Doctor, I think Moffat and Capaldi gelled last season. I think they very, very much found their, yeah. their beat this season. I mean, the season that's just finished is probably the best season we've had for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame that it looks like we're only going to get one more season of that writing. And yeah. that writing will undoubtedly be tempered by the fact they have to set up for a new showrunner and potentially a new Doctor. Um, and potentially a new companion as well. We might just have a one-season companion. Yeah, we'll have to see, because it depends whether they're going to introduce a new companion in the Christmas one or whether they're going to just wait until they start the new season. Well, there is a rumour that Maisie Williams will be back. Potentially, but... I, I don't know because they would have to resolve that whole the two of them yeah. flouting off in the TARDIS with a moment's breath etc they would re they would have to give some real solid ending to that yeah, yeah. otherwise I'd be very very unhappy we shouldn't revisit that I don't think no that should just be done um, but yeah but what are your thoughts on the new showrunner well it's, yeah it's the guy who created Broadchurch isn't it hmm Interesting. Um, I don't really know. I mean, I, I'm wondering whether you know it's the the David Tennant connection that's got him interested in it. Well, he's a fa he's meant to be a fan as well, so that's good. Although Stephen Moffat being a fan didn't really pay dividends for quite a number of seasons. No, and and Peter Capaldi being a fan. Yeah. So I don't think it necessarily needs to be a prerequisite. We just need to have someone who has an idea on how to write cohesive stories that can span, like, a 13-episode arc and not necessarily be interconnected directly, mm. but subtly. Um, that's why I liked Russell T. Davis, you know? He definitely had a sense of how it all held together. Yeah. And it didn't rely on blatant plot hooks other than things like Bad Wolf which got a bit irritating yeah but I liked how with his, when he was showrunner and running it you knew that whatever creature or baddie or plot was part of the seventh episode of the season would be returning for the last one and that would be the big bad and you'd have to work out how that fit mm. in the inter, inter meaning episodes um 
everyone is having an opinion of it. Everyone is like writing articles about this. It's all over the nerd. It's all over every site. And I'm just of a fuck it kind of mindset. Yeah. Uh, the showrunner for Doctor Who really doesn't matter that much to me. No. I'm not sure why people are getting so bent out of shape of over it or why it's suddenly big news. It's just like someone who once wrote a show for three years isn't writing the show anymore. Yeah. Get the fuck over it. New ideas are always needed. And if it keeps the show fresh and keeps new ideas coming in, then come along. Get with it. The new Doctor question, that is different. It opens up that whole can of worms again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we going to get a female Doctor? I've seen rumours flying around about Catherine Tate. Which I really don't think is going to happen. What's the Doctor Donna? Yeah. Um, Yeah, no. I I can't see that working at all. No, I... I don't know. I don't want to see a female Doctor. I don't think. And, like, this is where I have to try and explain why in a sense that isn't in a way it's not going to offend anybody um anyone who listens to the show or who knows the what i teach and what i do knows that i'm a feminist Mm -hmm. and i believe strongly in equality i think that making a character who is whether there's stuff now in the canon with the changing of the gender or not, but the Doctor has been an established male character for 50 plus years. Um, making the next incarnation of the Doctor female just for equality isn't really equality, it's tokenism. Yeah, indeed. And it would be much better in terms of equality if they created a brand new female character who was as important to Whovian law mm. as the Doctor. And an equal to the yes. Doctor. Yeah. That would be a better approach for my money. Um, I mean, what do you think? Uh, no, I think you're totally right. Uh, I, I don't think I particularly want to see a female Doctor at this point because I think it will feel like they're only doing it because people have said they should. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad idea to do it, but I, I just don't feel it would be right unless, unless it has a very, very good explanation in the plot as to why it's occurring. Cause they made the whole thing of why he became Capaldi. Uh, you know, it was the whole, he was trying to tell himself something. Yeah. So if there's, if there's good reason behind it and they tie it in with something like that, then fair enough. I'll probably, I'll, I'll buy into that. But I I don't feel like they should do it just because everyone's telling them they should. Yeah, no, I, d- I don't want to see. I don't want to see it happen as a knee jerk response to social media pressure. Yeah, if it's going to happen, it has to be done well. I mean, we don't need to have the canon argument now. It's established in canon yeah. that that can happen. It's there. That's it's been fine. Done. You know, um, if it's done well in the story and it is, yeah, as you say, there's clear narrative purpose for it because the the external sort of out of character if you will social pressure of it shouldn't be what dictates what happens within no, the narrative it should the drive the story yeah and that's the point yeah that's 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 what i would be looking for if it were to happen mm. um but i still i still don't think that it's true equality if it does, it still think I still feel at this moment it, it does smack a little of tokenism. Yeah, um, and I fear there will be if it does happen that way, there will be a lot of cheap gags in the script about it, yeah. and I will cringe at things like that. Yeah, it's not going to be anything that stops me from watching it if it happens, mm. and it's just like cool, it's happened. Yeah, it's a progressive show, it's sci-fi, so eventually it should happen. And if it happens this time around, great. As long as it happens within a coherent reason within the show, yeah, 
rather than external to the show. Um, yeah, no, I'm not going to bat and ball it and go, fuck this shit. No. No. It's... But I think, you know, in terms of who should be the next Doctor, I, I will always stick with my token response on it, which is Pastor Joseph. I think he'd be awesome. Because he essentially played the Doctor as the Marquis de Carabas. And to to give him that role properly, I think he would be absolutely stunning as it. Yeah. So that that, that is my response to that question every time someone asks me. Um, and Idris Elba always gets brought up time and time again. He'd be a little bit too dark, I think. Too brooding, too sinister for the Doctor. I think we need to step away from that because Capaldi has been the intense Doctor. Um, the eyebrows Doctor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, your man who played the operative in Serenity. Uh, Chiwetelidji for... Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's he'd very a, good. He'd be a great Doctor. Yeah. Um, I, I'd like to see someone... Again, slightly different. Someone like maybe Cillian Murphy. Oh, if they could get him away from Peaky Blinders. Yeah. I think he'd be great. Do we go young with this doctor, do you reckon? Or do we go old? I I would say potentially middle somewhere. You know, late 30s, long graying hair. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Are you free for the role, are you? I'm open. <laughs> okay, and if we were to cast a woman as a doctor, I still think Sue Perkins would be awesome. <laughs> I really like Sue Perkins. Everybody likes Sue Perkins. <laughs> She's brilliant. Um, who else would I like to see? Um, I don't know. Maybe someone like Tilda Swinton. Ooh, she'd be great. I think she'd be fantastic. Yeah, she'd be great as the Doctor. Tillerson. That's a good shape. Yeah. I think that would be awesome. Or even if not as the Doctor, then yeah, bring her in as a yeah, yeah. As, as, an I mean, equal as an equal level character. I think she, she's fantastic and can do no wrong in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, again, for the third show in a, in a row, I'll mention Snowpiercer because she's in it as one of the, the baddies in that and she's fantastic in it. Of course, if we do get a female Doctor, then we change the dynamic of the Doctor companion as well, don't we? Because the companion would probably shift to be a to be a man. Would it? It might do. It, again, it doesn't necessarily have to. No, no, well, yeah, nothing nothing has to. But like the way BBC would approach these things, when I didn't know what to do with Clara for a season, so make her a love interest for someone, bring them in. Well, you know? yes. So that was. Ill, ill-conceived. Yeah. yeah. So what what has to happen, and what often happens, uh, are often two separate things when writing this show. And I think if they'd made the decision to make make it a female doctor, they would probably think again that it would be equality to make a, a a male companion. I don't think so. So any others that you that you can think of? I can't think of any female actress that I'd cast as the Doctor. But maybe Emma Newman. <laughs> She'd be a great Doctor. I think she probably would. Yeah. To ask her. Sci-fi weekend. Yeah. Do you want to be the Doctor? <laughs> I think the answer would be a resounding hell yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Cool. Johnny Lee Miller. Interesting. I, I doubt you'll prize him away from elementary, though. But he'd be a good doctor. I think he would, yeah. But I think he's essentially playing a very similar character in Sherlock yeah. anyway. Yeah. I don't imagine his, his doctor to be that much different to his Sherlock. True. So, yeah, those would be my picks. Emma Newman or... um Chivatel, I'd hear for. Cool. Sweet. Okay. I hope that answers uh, the adjudication. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cheers, Ben. <laughs> oh, before you go, I, I saw Star Wars again for like the third time. Um, and you blew my chewy yeah, theory out of the water, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry I did. And also, um, the other scene that you didn't like, mm-hmm. 
I was watching that more closely this time. He doesn't stop to see Leia because he's escorting Finn on the stretcher. And I think he knows what Finn did and why Finn was injured and that maybe Finn has now picked up his life debt. All right, okay. Because of the attempt to avenge Han. Mm. Um, so it's not like he ignores her. He's actively pushing the okay. stretch. I'll have to have a look again because it, yeah, it it looks like when it cuts to them that he's just kind of milling around in the crowd. I think that's just a bad cut. Right, okay. Because you see him walking past and the next scene you have them hugging and in the background, yeah, he seems to be milling. But I think that's just like maybe a bad cut. Right, okay. And yeah, R2 gets the last word. But in all fairness, I think in, in one of the original trilogies, I think R2 gets the last word as well. Right. So I, I will expand it more <laughs> to the fact that it's it's always a non-human and it's non-verbal dialogue True. at That's the fair. end. I was also looking closely um, for more of this potential uh, Ray as a Kenobi. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. How so? I think it's as obvious as we think it is. I think she's a Skywalker. And the reason I think that is because of her connection to the lightsaber. Mm -hmm. And when she has the flashbacks, when she touches it, it's flashing back and flashing forward. And everything is connected to that lightsaber and the Skywalker line, including the flashback of herself being dropped off on Jakku as an infant. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think she's been in contact with that saber before. All right, okay. And I think I think the Skywalker connection is just too big. Plus, thinking about it logically, if Obi Wan Kenobi had had a kid, that had had a kid, that had had a kid, that had had Ray, we would have come across them at some point in the canon. Because the generational gap between Obi Wan and Luke was grandfather, grandson, in terms of age gap, right? Mm. And that's the same gap between. Luke and Ray at this point. So there's what, four or five generations of Kenobi that have somehow been hidden in the galaxy between episode four and episode seven? No. I don't buy it. See, I would have thought that Kenobi would have had a kid and then that kid would have had Ray. No. Because it's only 30 years. But Kenobi, at the point he was in episode four? Having a kid? No, he'd have had it in the, he'd in have the had, Yeah, he'd have had a kid. And right, I need to fucking map this out. <laughs> actually, draw this out. But basically, if Kenobi had a kid, like before a New Hope, let's say he had a kid that was the same age as Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. So he had he had his kid. Like what nineteen BBY? Um, so that kid would still be what, f- pushing fifty by episode seven. Yeah, which makes it about right. To okay, have- so you reckon? You reckon there's only one generation missing? Yeah. I think there's more. I don't think she's a Kenobi. I'm loving the fan theories of why she is. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think and they're and gra- they do I think make sense. I think they're great. They but, okay, generational issues aside, maybe that's a flaw in my argument, but the connection to the lightsaber. Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, I, That, I th- think, The, the explanation for hearing Kenobi's voice is potentially just as much that he has always been... The kind of mentor figure yeah. for the Skywalkers, yeah, because he is, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that was that. Um, but there's a scene in that flashback that we don't, that we haven't seen yet. More or less, every place it goes to in the flashback, we've we've seen. So we've seen Jakku. Mm-hmm. Um, we see more about the Knights of Ren. We've seen sort of the flash forwards and stuff. Um, there is what looks like some sort of industrial facility that she's running through before it all crumbles into um, Kylo Ren killing mm-hmm. the new Jedi Order. 
which we haven't seen yet in the movie. So okay. I'm not sure we'll see that in episode 8 or not. Well, the bit of good news is that Captain Phasma is definitely coming back. Well, of course she was. <laughs> and this is this is the thing that's infuriating me slightly with the Star Wars coverage from respected sites like the Nerdist. It's like, potential spoilers, guess who's casting this? It's like, how is that a spoiler? How is that a spoiler? It's not. Captain Phasma is going to be in it. Well, of course she is. Why? I mean... I'm just happy we've got confirmation. It's not yeah. a spoiler. It's something we so, wanted. To it just seems like putting potential spoilers or spoilers beware in like the blurb for any link is just becoming clickbaity. Yeah. Because people want to spoil it. It's like, that's not a spoiler. It's not even close. Yeah. There needs to be some real fucking discussion on what constitutes a spoiler <laughs> Like nowadays. It's like, this film's going to star this person. Well, yeah, of course it is. It's not a spoiler. Yeah, did you read David's article about spoilers? No, I, I, I did, but I can't remember it. it was, it's interesting, it's about using pseudonyms to hide real characters, hide characters' real identities and the fact that it just detracts from the plot and serves no real obvious purpose, yeah. which is kind of cool. Was that the whole um, Khan? Khan, yeah. yeah. And Blofeld. Oh, yeah. And it's like, but it's just so obvious. Yeah. Oh, well. Cool. Yes, that's, that's it. Mini rant. Right <laughs> Mini rant. I'm just going to write a blog about it. Yeah, I'll, I'll write something. About what constitutes spoilers. spoilers yeah, 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 do it, sir. Do it. Dust off your soapbox. You know you want it. Yeah, oh, God, so do. So badly. <laughs> it's just, ah, oh, yeah. Cool. It's annoying as fuck, but we'll just get past it, Brent. Come on, we've passed it. <laughs> cool. Right. I think that's about us. That's, I think that's for this all, week. Yeah. Probably best to end it there, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, I guess just to say as well that you know, we're, we're in the run up to Sci Fi Weekend soon, yeah. so hope to see a lot of you there. Uh, we're definitely confirmed as being involved in stuff. Not quite sure what yet. We'll be there. But we will be there. Awesome. I look forward to seeing you there if you're there as well. Um, Absolutely. I, I imagine we'll be doing the quiz on the Thursday night. Yeah. You know, defending defending Thursday night quiz champions. <laughs> Team Nerd vs. World. Cool. If you see us, come and say hi. But that's all for this episode. And until next... Oh. God. How do I sign off? I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for this episode. I've been Brendan. I've been Spindles. <laughs> and until next time, take care and be excellent to each other. And stay in school, kids. <laughs> <laughs> stay in school, kids. <laughs> <laughs> nice.